Critical Frames is a gaming news podcast bringing you consistent updates on the latest hot-button topics in the games industry. If you'd like to support our work, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash critical frames. Hello and welcome to Critical Frames, a gaming news podcast. I am your host, Joe Smalley, and with me today is the Sacred Icon's own, the highly esteemed, Brian Arvett. What's going on, Brian? I think those are kinder words than I deserve, to be honest. Nonsense, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad we finally got here. The nice thing about doing content creation is that all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, people don't ever have to see. They just get the content, it works, it's done right, but little do you know... Things took two to three to ten times as long behind the scenes to get mm-hmm. this stuff done. Microphones breaking, getting new cables. Yeah, we found out my Microsoft, or my Microsoft, wow, my, uh, my <laughs> mic cord uh, was glitching. So I switched the cord out, solved 20 minutes of issues real quick, and then the camera brightness was all wonky. But here we are. We're here good. We are. We're here. What's on the docket for news, Joe? Fill us in. Well, plenty of things, but before we get into the What we're playing... What we're playing, exactly. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I want to hear what you're playing first. So the first thing, I've got two things I'm kind of playing. Uh, obviously, I've mentioned in the past, I play like Far Cry 6 and obviously Starfield and stuff. Because you have so much spare time to play. Because I have so much spare time, so I don't know where I fit all this all this stuff. But I've kind of picked up a, a new PC game uh, from the Steam store, which is made by one developer, which is very surprising. It's absolutely awesome. It's called, um, and it's a weird spelling, Tunguska the Visitation. Um, it's essentially, if anyone is familiar with it, it's Stalker, but isometric, so top-down. Um, and it's a little bit more casualized, but it oozes, like, massive style. And the fact that it's, co- it's like, it's all text-based, so there's no voice acting and everything. And it's absolutely perfect for, like, podcasts in the background, YouTube's in the background, and you can just kind of, like, nip away at, like, different little objectives in the game and stuff. And it's it's, like... The way to sum it up is essentially like you're a journalist that goes into like this zone to kind of figure out what's going on. And then this zone is, again, very similar to Stalker. So if you know what that is, I don't have to explain. But for the people that don't, Stalker is this uh, post-apocalyptic zone out like around Chernobyl, the, the nuclear disaster zone. Um, and there's mutants and there's monsters and all these different things. And essentially, yeah. Tunguska is a top-down version of that that is obviously a love letter to what Stalker was and hopefully will continue to be. This like grounded, really like slavic soviet inspired obviously a game from do, does the stalker games have anything in relation to the metro games not no not, not nothing at all um, nothing at all okay because i don't know why they always seem to go hand in hand in my mind yeah but i've played the metro games but i haven't pl- ever mm. played stalker so mm. but yeah i've been playing that um <laughs> excuse me went down the wrong hole but uh <laughs> yeah so it's it's, it's really good <laughs> excuse me god damn um <laughs> You should be yeah. drinking that cherry coke, bro. It goes down a lot smoother. <laughs> yeah, smoother than water. Smoother um, than water. That's a phrase. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt, baby. Um, but yeah, Tunguska, very good game. Highly advised. It's very, very cheap. I think. I think it's only on the PC, uh, the Steam store at the moment. But it, it's very good, very cheap. Um, nice little chillaxing game. But then I'm also obviously still playing Starfield, and I, I've made quite good headway with it uh over the weekend since the last episode um i've completed sarah morgan's companion quest line what do you think of it i thought it was good um i did too the only problem i have with it's not necessarily her quest line but it's more about her character okay she's so pity party yeah like everything yeah. about her is like oh woe is me and it, i mean like... i think she appeals to the largest denomination of 
white nerdy man playing the game who will want to like facilitate her worries mm. and like embed her yeah. to be honest <laughs> embed her see what he did there um yeah but it it it's interesting because she's got a really cool quest line but every time she speaks to you and i'm, I'm finding this with barrett as well um everything's just so sorrowful you know and yeah I don't know why both of them are like that. I hope the future companions I I have, the main ones like Samco and is it Andrea and Andreja? Yeah, Andreja. Andreja. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope they don't do the same, but obviously that's to be discovered. Um, yeah. I chose not to romance her because there's like a bit isn't there at the end with the waterfall kind of thing where you can kind of jump off and decide. Um, I just find them so robotic. Like the whole like I love Every you. Every Bethesda character is robotic. Yeah, it's. I can't do it, you know, like I kind of could get away with it in things like Skyrim because like it's just kind of like, oh, you're wearing that amulet of Mara or whatever it is. Oh, let's get married. And it was a little bit less hands on yeah. than Starfield. But I feel like because Starfield tries to invest you so much, it's up for higher critique when it comes to how robotic these companionships are. Yeah, it's almost like I, I feel wrong taking Sarah as my wife because, like, at any moment I could just flip the switch on her back yeah, and yeah. power down because yeah. he's a robot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it just feels like I mean, this goes quite quite common in Bethesda games. It's very uncanny valley. Like they they, it's almost like they're looking through you. Um, yeah. And I, I'm gonna say this like a lot when it comes to like how the companionships works like in these games. But after playing things like The Witcher Three and stuff, it's like I can't. I can't do it like i can't stand there in front of a robot and be like yeah i want my character i'm to actually be in a relationship. seeing this right now like industry-wide people comparing recently playing starfield to going back to cyberpunk and yeah. being like cyberpunk feels like several generations ahead Bro, of talk to npcs cyberpunk is so good for companionship like the me and pan am i was invested like yeah. i got a kiss from her on the back of the bike i was like Whoo! <laughs> i'm yeah. in you know like i was there and yeah but with sarah it's like this waterfall is good isn't it i really <laughs> I know, like right? it and it's like dude like where's the emotion i mean that 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 shit was cool on the 360 jet yeah. but they haven't evolved at all past that it's yeah. crazy to me yeah it's crazy to me but uh after that i went to neon and i've been to neon before but i've really like in one session i really delved into to neon as a, as a city yeah. And I enjoyed all the secondary and tertiary quest lines in it. But my biggest problem with, with it is, again, piggybacking, piggybacking off what you just said, just makes me want to play Cyberpunk, dude, especially with Phantom Liberty out and the 2.0. Because ne Neon is like Cyberpunk Mini. Yeah, it's Night City, Star right? Like, um, yeah. And I was playing it and I was just like, I was playing through Neon and I, I just had loads of thoughts of like, Starfield doesn't really do scale too well. Like, yeah. in terms of those small hub areas. And it's weird because it separates, like, say, three areas of neon um, it, between loading screens. But the thing is, is you can actually get to each of them if you, like, kind of fly over the rooftops. It's, like, really strange in how it works. And it just feels yeah. like everything is, like, compartmentalized to an obscene degree. Um, yeah, everything. I mean, the game mm. works because of how many loading screens they put. Yeah. You know? Even yeah. if they're not that long all the time. Yeah. You know? But uh, after Neon, uh, I went and did the Mantis quest line, which I thought was really cool. I really liked the Mantis quest line. The mental, yeah, it was nice. It was a nice uh, sort of divergence from uh, from like doing all the Neon stuff and and the bigger quest lines because like like I said in the in the previous episode, I did a lot of the uh, like the Crimson Fleet stuff and that felt like a really long quest line. So I was happy to get that over with. But the Mantis being like quite short, 
um, under an hour, I would say, in playtime. It was good, but the only problem, again, my issue with it is I would be remiss at the fact to not mention that the Digipick stuff completely overrules, I think, the like the 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 the, the bread and butter of that quest line. Hmm. Meaning like the the puzzle in the in the middle of it, I won't spoil it, like with the whole like, you know, the traps and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I had a I have master Digipick in. It's one of my first skills I I, I went with and it just nullifies all of it. It undermines that entire quest in a lot of ways. And like, that's up to my discretion as a player. I totally recognize yeah. that, but it's like, really? Like I could just get a, get away with that, that, that quickly. But yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's supposed to be the benefit of like going far into a skill, right? As you can mm. manipulate stuff like that, but then it also kind of kills the, cause I did play the Mantis quest the way you're supposed to, mm. cause I didn't have that, but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm, uh, I've finally broken free from the chains that is Starfield. And I have moved on to the Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways DLC that came out nice. uh, a few days ago. Um, it was only $10, and Bargain. it is... Yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I'm really impressed by it, because for those that don't know, back when Resident Evil 4 originally came out in 2005 on the GameCube, when it eventually came over to the PS2, they released this additional small campaign called Separate Ways. Yep. And you played as Ada Wong basically going through the same areas that Leon went through and doing mostly the same things. So it just kind of felt like a glorified, like different character in the same area. But for mm. this DLC, what they've done is they've made it, it's obviously, you know, 2023, like graphics and design, and they've made it more character focused on Ada. They give her real purpose, real story. Yeah. And the like new levels and new bosses and stuff like that. And then the thing that blows my mind the most is, like Resident Evil 4 Remake got really good scores for being an amazing remake, but they cut like three or four giant significant moments out of the campaign. Sure. And they've now brought them back and repurposed them as Ada Wong specifically sections of the game. So you now have like all the content that was in the original Resident Evil 4, except instead of like shoving it all into Leon, they've given some to Ada and made it mm. count for something. So I love it. I think for $10, it's a 10 out of 10 DLC. I haven't nice. finished it. But like for being a whole like substantive campaign that makes the original game better for nine nine ninety nine, like I, I'm really impressed by it. But it's a lot of fun. It's a really good palate cleanser from Starfield because Starfield's this big open RPG, and now I'm just like third yeah. person shooting Resident yeah. Evil. So as soon as I finish that, I'm going right into Cyberpunk 2077, which, came, which Phantom Liberty came out today. I would love to start it today, but like just because of family stuff. I probably won't even get Resident Evil 4 finished. Resident Evil 4's DLC is only like four hours, four or five okay. hours. Yeah. And I still can only get it done in little chunks. So mm -hmm. uh, probably won't get that in a day. But yeah, I'm having a blast with that. Um, it's a super good year for gaming, man. Just like it's crazy. Like I get done with Starfield. It's like Resident Evil DLC, Cyberpunk DLC. And then October's like a bazillion games. So it's a good time. Good but time indeed. I'm ready for the news if you are, Joe. I am indeed. Let's start. Another day, another round of layoffs for Embracer. Mythforce, developer of Beamdog, less than 18 months after being acquired by Aspire, or Aspire, has laid off 26 employees. According to Ed Nightingale of Eurogamer, quote, on Friday, 26, on Friday, 26 people were laid off at Beamdog, and I unfortunately am one of them, wrote former Beamdog associate producer Mizia Bloniars. Regrettably, as part of the Embracer Group's ongoing restructuring initiative, Beamdog made the difficult decision to release 26 employees, myself among them, wrote former associate graphic artist Jill Hollett. 
I am incredibly grateful to them for affording me the opportunity to embark upon my professional journey in the industry. It has been an honor to collaborate with such exceptional individuals during my time here. Back in June, Embracer announced a comprehensive restructuring program, which would result in studio closures, project cancellations, and job losses. Since then, Saints Row studio Volition was closed down in August, and the Swedish conglomerate has considered selling Borderlands developer Gearbox. These decisions are partly due to the collapse of a reported $2 billion partnership with the Saudi Arabia-funded Savvy Games, end quote. However, this is not all of the Embracer Studios hit by layoffs as of recent. Crystal Dynamics has also unfortunately made some difficult decisions. Word comes by way of Games Radar writer Austin Wood, quote, Crystal, uh, sorry, Crystal Dynamics made the d difficult decision to part ways with nine brand marketing and one IT employee today due to an internal restructuring to align the studio with our current business needs. The company says, we are working directly with the affected staff to fully support them. If you have applicable, applicable positions open at your studio across brand direction, creative services, community, or IT, please pass them along to peoplexp at crystald.com and we will ensure the information ends up in the right hands, end quote. What do we think, Brian? Well, I actually have a lot to say about this. Uh, first, I'll say I can recall back, I don't know, five plus years ago, being on the NeoGAF forum, which, you know, Throwback. Every, everybody now pretty much uses Resetera, like that kind of replaced yeah, yeah. NeoGAF. But NeoGAF is still out there. It's just not the industry like insider platform it used to be. Um, but I used to be on NeoGAF, and every day for a while, I would log into NeoGAF, and it would be Embracer acquired this, yeah. Embracer acquired that. And for a long time, it just kept going on and on and on. They would acquire stuff over and over again. And they, they came out of nowhere, and it's like, who are these people, and what are they doing? And like... For everything they would acquire, we didn't see any like games come out or anything. And it was just like, what are they doing? Like, they just have so much money. And it became clear after a while that like this company out of nowhere that's acquiring all this stuff, they're not going to be able to use it in a way that makes sense and put out great products. And a lot of people had speculated that that what's happening now is going to eventually happen, which is they're not going to have the money or the foresight to manage all these companies and release great games and make huge profits. So now they're starting to lay companies off, close down studios, and honestly, Embracer Group, at the end of the day, has just proven to be a plague to the industry because they've done nothing to benefit it. They haven't injected it with good games. They've 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 shut talent out. They've made people lose jobs. Um, shuttered companies. Uh, we got yeah. It's just it's just not good. It's just not good. At all. So that's the first thing I'll say. Second thing I'll say, which I find actually more interesting, is Crystal Dynamics um, losing some employees. Man, do we have a horrible situation on our hands for the perfect dark game coming mm. from Xbox? Because let me paint a picture for you of what has happened with this game. So Microsoft starts up a brand new studio called The Initiative, which is supposed to be this what they labeled <laughs> quadruple A studio that has like industry veterans from all over the place coming together to craft the first ever quadruple A game, even higher quality than triple A. And they form the initiative, they get all these people, and through leaks and, I don't know, FTC, Jason Schreier type stuff, we found out, like, shit went haywire, a bunch of the people left, and it became, like, a hollow studio with, like, nothing going on. Mm -hmm. And they brought Crystal Dynamics in to help make Perfect Dark. And over time, the rumor has become that Perfect Dark is more or less a Crystal Dynamics game that is like 
under the guise of some kind of association with the initiative, which was a failed studio plant mm-hmm. that just never went anywhere. So what we have is a a poorly managed like new studio that's was trying to sell a ridiculous term in a, in a quadruple game, quadruple A game with Perfect Dark that then became mostly a, uh, a restarted development game by Crystal Dynamics. So you have that huge mess, which is there already. And then you have the fact that Crystal Dynamics was owned by Square Enix and Square Enix sold off all of their uh, like American or like publishing or um, developers and stuff that weren't associated with like local Japanese, like their in-house stuff. So they sold off Crystal Dynamics to Embracer, which to me is like, I could be wrong, but like that felt like a death wish to me, like mm. to send Crystal Dynamics off with Embracer. Like that's not who I would want because Embracer is the kind of people that are just like, oh, if we're not making money, like we're just going to shut you down because we don't want to lose anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like that's a bad idea. So now you have this situation where Microsoft's trying to bring back this old IP that was from Rare and reboot it with a new studio they created by veterans that then failed, that was then saved by Crystal Dynamics, which is a company that was then sold by Square Enix and purchased by Embracer, that Embracer is now failing and selling off stuff and there's layoffs. So I'm like, my hopes that Perfect Dark will be an exceptional game are zero, and my hopes that it will be a decent game are low. Mm. Like, I would guess that... I would I would think after all the time and money and effort and talk of Perfect Dark, it will come out. Yes. But I'm like, I'm placing Perfect Dark in that Redfall camp for what kind of quality AAA game <laughs> could be. Because I just don't see it. Now, I could be wrong, and I would love to be wrong. I think the people at Crystal Dynamics are certainly talented, but like... For sure. The money that's been wasted on this game already, from what we've heard, and like what the expectations would be, and when Microsoft's going to want it out, and all this baggage, I just think Perfect Dark is going to be not a good game if it comes out at all. I hope it is. Um, but yeah, Embracer sucks. Um, people losing their jobs sucks. And hopefully Perfect Dark doesn't suck. But I think it won't be that long before we're not talking about Embracer anymore. They'll be gone. Yeah. Um, so The hemorrhaging cash quicker than I go through It's the just inevitable, I think. I, I mean, mm. I, I feel like even if they... They would have to have a massive hit game like a Fortnite or mm. something to just completely be their cash cow mm. right now they just have a slew of ip and yeah. studios putting out nothing i mean they put out like that saints row reboot which they closed that studio down too because Volition, that didn't yeah. do much so um yeah that's all i have to say about it really I, it's all it's all shitty all yeah around. it's just painful you know like looking at volition and looking at the crystal dynamics estate you know, like, obviously, it's pretty much impossible to not, like, tie tie it to, like, Microsoft's current uh, position with the way they're sort of swallowing up a lot of the studios. The 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 thing I would Microsoft say Microsoft has a little more foresight. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was about to, to, to say. I, you know, like, Microsoft is at least... They've at least got, like, a stronger foundation where they come from with their, you know, market capital and everything. And obviously, you know, Xbox isn't just kind of, like, having some you know, strange Saudi Arabian interest group just like, you know, coming in because they want a piece of the pie in the industry. And I feel like that's probably the worst, you know, it's not obviously, it's not worse than the people, you know, losing their jobs. But the the worst part about this is like, it does just feel shady. Like everything about this Embracer thing, like this faceless, nameless, to an extent, like company. I I could be wrong too. Mm. Joe, I almost hesitated to say this because I could be wrong, but that's, I'm going to preface by saying I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure embracer had a name before embracer Mm. 
and something came out about one of the heads or the leads of Embracer saying something wildly inappropriate on 4chan mm. and them getting a bunch of bad press and them changing their name. Mm. So, and I think that was many years I ago. Mean, it was I think Nordic, right? Th might Nordic. Well, I, I might have. It was that, or it was something before. Mm. We don't want to speak on it if we're not hundred percent sure, but it's yeah, it's yeah, definitely. I'm not hundred percent mm. sure. There were, there were, I thought it was them. Yeah, but there there was a company that was buying up a lot of studios, and I'd have mm. to look into like the Wikipedia article or something yeah. like that. But maybe while you you go ahead, um, Joe, I'm gonna see if I can. If I can find that yeah. real quick while you're... Yeah, I'm, you're I'm, I'm like, 90% sure it is THQ. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I resonate with everything you say. It's a shame that these people are losing, uh, you know, their jobs because of, essentially, like, things in entirely out of their, you know, out of their hands. And it's crazy that, like, th it comes so quickly after being... These, these places are acquired, you know? Like, I mean, you have, like, obviously the biggest one we're talking about is Crystal Dynamic Dynamics, but you have, like, Mythforce developers Beamdog, like, literally 18, less than 18 months after being acquired by a spear. Yeah. And a spear or a spire, however you want to say it, I say a spear, but um, they've been having problems, too, with game development, you know? And it's... Pretty much everyone under that Embracer belt, uh, yeah. belt is, is having issues and of some sort. I feel like this is kind of, like, your warning phase, for kind of like how acquisitions and mergers can become very ugly very quickly when you don't have a very consolidated approach towards getting essentially all these studios. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, my thoughts go out to, to the people that have lost their, you know, their jobs. It's, it's, it's an absolute shame that that's the case because again, they don't deserve it. They're talented developers. Um, and we wish them all the best in finding, you know, new opportunities and outlets. Absolutely, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to comment on that later, um, Joe, because I'm. I'm actually even more certain now that what I was saying is correct by mm -hmm. reading this. But their Wikipedia article doesn't list like controversies or anything like that. Sure. And it was also very like low-key, gaff overnight mm. type thing. Like, yeah. Because because what I remember is like because you were right. Like they were, they were called Nordic yep. Games, yeah. and then. Right about the time I said, I said around five years ago, they became Embracer Group. Mm. But, uh, I but yeah, anyway, I find we, it humorous how they're called Embracer when they don't seem to be embracing much. No, yeah, and I was and like, they, the irony. They've had so many names like Nordic Embracer, THQ Nordic, like yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, it's I, I have no good vibes about the uh, the company at all. No, honestly. no, like you said, they're. Uh, I, I feel like you aren't out out of or off base or out of touch to say that. They are a net negative on the industry. You know, they haven't put anything. Yeah, back. what have they done? They've just they've kind of destroyed. And Volition going was a travesty because I really liked uh, the Saints Row games. Like I didn't love them, but like seeing that legendary uh, that legendary studio like fold because of poor executive decisions higher up is 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 a travesty. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joe, I'm ready for the next article. If I, uh, if you're ready. <laughs> yes, let's go. Late last week, it was reported that industry veteran, co-creator of Dead Space and head of Striking Distance Studios, is leaving his own studio after the commercial failure of its first game, sci-fi horror, The Callisto Protocol. Matt Wales of Eurogamer reports, quote, Glenn Schofield, the co-creator of Dead Space, is departing his Striking Distance Studios following the commercial failure of its first game, sci-fi horror, The Callisto Protocol. Schofield founded Striking Distance Studios in 2019 under the wing of a Korean publisher, Krafton Inc., which was looking to create a narrative-based game that would expand its PUBG Battlegrounds universe. Although, notably, 
all connections to PUBG had been exercised by the time the Callisto Protocol launched in December last year. Unfortunately, the Callisto Protocol's critical reception was mixed, and the game was met with lower than anticipated sales. In January, it was reported that Krafton had expected to shift 5 million copies of the Callisto Protocol, whose three-year development had cost it £132 million, but that it was unlikely to hit its target, given just 2 million copies had been sold at the time, end quote. I'll uh, take this first, but I just want to comment on kind of the... Uh, the sales and not necessarily the the ethics of him leaving because I'll, I'll leave that to you brian because i want you to touch upon that because you made a really good point when it when that news came out but the the fact that this game cost 132 million pounds or 150 million us dollars is baffling to me i've played the game i really enjoyed the game it was not as good as dead space og it was not as good as dead space 2 i would say and it definitely wasn't as good as dead space remake um was it, it better was, than dead space 3 Yes, 100%. But to be honest, like, my stinky shits are better than Dead Space 3. Um, uh, right. <laughs> so it's just baffling to me that this costs 150 million. This game, when you play it, doesn't ooze 150 million, hmm. like, at all. 50 million, yes, maybe a little bit more, but anything over 100 is crazy. And Isn't I the production value super high, though? That's the thing. The I think the reason why this costs 150 million is because of its cast. I, I don't know. So you had like Joss Duhamel, you had, I think, Karen Fukunara, I think her name is, from The Boys um, and Suicide Squad and stuff. You had all these like big, like th those two big A-list cast members. And I feel like, pardon me, this isn't, obviously this isn't confirmed, but I feel like that's a lot where, the, you know, that's where the budget went. And it, it yeah. it's crazy that instead of getting someone who was, you know, less of a budget and, you know, maybe just a video game actor, you know, did mocap, did PCAP, stuff like that that would have been a more logical approach to maybe solving this funding problem. And I also feel like from the start, this wasn't marketed very well. When it was coming out, I mean, the, the quote mentioned it there. This game was all over the place in terms of what it wanted to be. It was like, oh yeah, it's PUBG. No, it's not PUBG. It's like, it's, it's separated itself. And this was only like a couple months before it released, if yeah. that. Like it was really, really kind of like on the edge of releasing before like Glenn Schofield was like, no, we've separated it. Don't, don't worry. And it, it's a shame because I... I was looking forward to seeing a whole new universe with, you know, the Callisto Protocol. And I was looking for, and, and like I said, I did enjoy the game. I'd give it like a solid 8 out of 10. But I really? Think, okay, wow. Yeah, I'd give Pretty it a solid score. 8 out of 10 with like how, how solid it was. Maybe on a bad day, a 7. Um, but it's it just had a lot of elements that didn't really work, like with the melee combat being like a massive emphasis. And it just felt more clunky than Dead Space ever did. Mm. And that's saying a lot considering the original Dead Space is from like, what, 2005, 2006, I would say, something like that. I right? thought it was 2008. Was it? I don't know. Yeah. Can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, Brian, like you take it away with, with whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, well, it just, it immediately struck a chord for me, like in a bad way that basically Glenn Sch Schofield, he's, his name is what, perpetuated this new studio and this game at all because mm. he's the one behind the original dead space and it's obvious this game was was trying to build off of his prior success and and what he did with the dead space ip and for him to get the funding and the privilege to make a new studio and make a new ip it's it's because of his legacy and mm. i just feel like and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, so I'm like I'm not accusing him of being a bad guy or anything like that. No. But like, he he led you know 
a company and families and employees in this direction with this very expensive game, which is probably too ambitious for a new studio. Like this price shouldn't be where you start. Mm-hmm. You should probably do something a little smaller first. And like Joe said, like don't hire like super expensive voice acting talent and stuff like that. You know, build your way up to a game like this more than just starting there. But for for him to be like the reason that this game got into discussions at all, really. Yeah. And then for when it fails for him and some other larger investors at the company to just leave, mm. it kind of feels like, hey, like I'm taking you on this journey with me. And when I don't like the destination, I'm leaving you at it and I'm, I'm taking off. And it just yeah. kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, it, it doesn't feel like he's taking care of, of those people and like sticking with the company to put something else out or I don't know. It just basically feels like he's like, I want to start something new and he does it and it's not successful. So he's like, I'm gone, you know, and like he might come back again with another studio or joining something else and doing this again. And I just I feel like there's probably a lot of people at the top like that who have more sway who can kind of do that. But like, what does it feel like to be somebody who works at that studio right now? Like you have this this game that was highly publicized, but did poorly, both in sales and not the worst critical scores, but some bad ones, some good ones. And then the guy that you built your whole reputation on left after a, a poor a poor turnout for the game. So like, hmm. what does that look like being a part of that studio? I, if they managed to stay together and put out another game, I would have to imagine it would be half the budget or less of this. And their legacy is hmm. not that good. So I just think he left them in a poor position. I would have liked to see him either stick it out for another game or this doesn't really make sense, but I was going to say, or maybe close the studio, but then that sounds worse because it's like maybe he's taking jobs mm. away then. We don't know what's going to happen yeah, with the yeah. studio, but with the studio and making I don't think the game that did the authority maybe. Yeah, yeah like with a studio that didn't turn a profit on this, we don't actually know mm. they're going to stay together, right? Like, I mean, I know they're, they're mm. so far they haven't dismantled, but I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Like, do you think it, do you think there's anything wrong with what he did or like at least a little feels a little bad or like am I off or I don't know. I think I kind of think you almost bang on the money there. Like, I don't think he's inclined to stay. Like, I'm True. not going to stand not there like and, and, yeah. and be like, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like you must stay. The captain always goes down with the ship, you know. But at the same time, like, this isn't, say, a Corey Barlog leaving Santa Monica Studios and passing it to Eric Williams, you know, for yeah. Ragnarok. And not that he did. Obviously, he moved to a producer role and stuff. But yeah. It's like, this whole game was started because of you, and the people that followed you or came to you mm-hmm. is mainly because of you, because they believe in your vision, which is entirely fair. And again, you don't owe them that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it is a little bit of a shot, like a, a shifty, not a shifty move. I don't want to say like he's, he's, he's like in the shadows, like, hey, hey, hey I'm going to leave now, yeah. you know, peace. But... At the same time, like, it just seems a little bit like, dude, come on. Like, don't you want to fight tooth and nail for this? Unless, thing is, we don't, I don't think we have the full details here. That's that's what I will say. You know, like, Crafton is an, is an interesting company to kind of get to, to go under anyway for a game like this because of, you know, the PUBG stuff and everything. It just seems like not their kind of game. Like, this game kind of seems more along the lines of, I don't know, a second party game for sony like kind of how death stranding was you know where it yeah. could come to pc sony could, actually could helped to bundle game, game pass 
Yes. Sony exactly. Fund, That's yeah. another thing. Like Sony had like people come in, like techs, and work on it. That's why the PS version at launch for the Callisto protocol was way better than any other port. Um and I mean that's a whole di- uh, different topic entirely, but yeah, yeah, it's it's just a shame. It's a shame that like the Callisto protocol like didn't meet the sales expectations. The fact that the marketing was all over the place. I feel like publisher meddling came into it massively with the whole like this must be a PUBG thing, um, because I don't think in any world Glenn would have been like I want to make this part of the PUBG universe. He'd have been like as a creative yeah. and as a veteran creative, he'd have been like this is kind of weird, but like obviously there's something in the 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 clause that. M- Pushes Whenever I that, hear that you know, it was a part it. of the PUBG universe, it just strikes me so odd. You know, nothing yeah. about that game reminds yeah. me of PUBG, you know? No, no. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame. And like I said, I think this is a reminder to a lot of people as well, like how expensive games can be. Yeah. Um, even if they're managed correctly. Well, that's the thing too, is like gamers, we have such so many options at our disposal that our, our expectations are ridiculously high because... Now, I haven't played Callisto Protocol, but I've watched it and saw reviews and heard impressions and everything. And like, I think at the end of the day, it's it's a it sounds like it's a good game. It's just not a great (laughs) one, you know, and like Mm. a brand new IP with great graphics and voice acting and production values. And that's a good time and probably worth a playthrough. That's just not enough in the market that we're in, because. We're yeah. used to like great experiences, exceptional experiences, right? And I can't remember what came out around Callisto Protocol, but I know like we knew like a couple months later was coming the Dead Space remake. Uh, a month after that was Hogwarts Legacy was like a little bit before. Okay, was was Callisto this year? I thought it was last year. Was it? No, it was last it was, year. Okay, okay. Well, either was way, it, was, like, it was Hogwarts Legacy after? I don't know. Like I'm getting. I thought Hogwarts yeah. Legacy was February and Callisto was like December mm. or something. Um, okay. But yeah. Either, but either way, like there was a lot of, and we had Ragnarok right before it, and like there was a lot of other things to play, and like I think Callisto was also seventy bucks, right? So like, was it like mm. run out and pay seventy dollars for it? I don't know yeah. if it's yeah. just a thing. Like I said, expectations are so high, so it's like good. Good is not enough sometimes. Mm. Like even Redfall, which I would wager Callisto Protocol is better than Redfall. Like Redfall mm. for being bad. I mean, it's still like, it's hard, right? Because we have like, what what is a bad game and what's a bad good game, right? Like, I feel like Redfall yeah. probably has between between Redfall's like shooting mechanics and it's like it's like uh, Arcane Studio isms and its art design mm. and all that stuff and the and the ability to co op with your friends. Redfall is kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. a bad good game. You know what I mean? Like a bad game's mm. gone, but Redfall is yeah. like a bad yeah. good game. You know, so it's like yeah you just you got to be better than that but yeah that's that's pretty much all i have to say about that i'm i'm good to move on yeah i just i just checked hogwarts legacy it was february after the december release of callisto protocol okay. um i'm surprised i, I remember that the, so well i think yeah i mean like, i'm terrible with dates uh but the the thing with it is <sighs> i think that the the biggest problem maybe as well with the marketing of uh callisto protocol not to go on too long now because we've given this new story way more diligence than it needs to uh, needs to have but I think a lot of the conversation was just around other things at the time. I think it completely got overshadowed, clearly, uh, by the evidence of the the the, the, the uh, sales. But 
everyone was thinking about Hogwarts Legacy. All the controversy was going on with like J.K. Yep. Rowling and whether people should support the game or not and whether you're a bigot if you do, if you play it or whatever. And then obviously Dead Space Remake was coming out and everyone yep. loves Dead Space. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, Clifford Protocol was, you know, the imitator by the same guy who made yes. Dead Space. So yeah. like, we know we love Dead Space, yeah. you know. And then it mm. helps that that was one of the best remakes ever made. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so but yeah, so that's uh, anything else on uh, Blisto or not? No, I think we're good to move on. Okay. So for the third piece of news, the third installment in the Star Wars Jedi series is on the way, seemingly due to Cal Kestis actor Cameron Monaghan stating, we're in the process of making a third game right now during a panel at Ocala Comic-Con, VGC reports, quote, that's a big undertaking and there have been some conversations so far, but hopefully when all things and when all things said and done, we'll be able to go in and make something really cool. This panel took place only shortly before Stig Asmussen, the director of both Star Wars Jedi games, announced that he was leaving the developer Respawn Entertainment. As reported by Bloomberg, Asmussen is leaving Respawn and its parent company EA, and his next destination currently is unknown. After careful thought and consideration, Stig Asmussen has decided to leave Respawn to pursue other adventures. And we wish him the best of luck an EA spokesperson told Bloomberg in a statement. Veteran Respawn leaders will be stepping up to guide the team as they continue their work on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, end quote. Brian? Um, well, I mean, as a lot of people know, I'm not a huge fan of these games, but I do respect them. I think they're high-quality games made by a good studio with a good IP. Um, I played through Fallen Order, and it just wasn't for me. Um, I never bought Survivor. Obviously, Survivor seems like it was really good, barring all the, the issues with the game, like on a yeah, the tech, tech issues, level. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would wager the third one would be great. And even if it's not great, the sales of it will probably justify its existence enough going off the hype of the first two and it being like the closer to this trilogy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it could be different with this per with this individual leaving, but I think mm -hmm. they have a, I think Respawn's a pretty well-oiled machine. They haven't really put out anything yeah. that's bad. Um, so I think this mm -hmm. is just good news for everyone. And it's also not, it's almost hardly not news because it's like, of course there's going to be a third one, right? Like, um, mm. but I know it's just one of those instances where, and I, I feel bad cause like sometimes I, you know, we make jokes about stuff we don't like. And sometimes you make jokes about it so much. People start to like think that you hate it and you have to like remind mm. them like, Oh wait, I'm just joking. Cause I, cause for anyone who knows me well enough, they know that I, I joke about how awful I think Cal Kestis's name is and. How like the game character. doesn't really the game doesn't really do it for me because like what makes those games so good in my mind is that they borrowed all of their elements from other games like here's some Souls here's some Uncharted you know stuff mm. like that which to me it just ends up feeling like a, a hodgepodge of quality games with a with a boring main character I've heard they've made him better in the sequel but despite all my criticisms and talking crap about it like it's all in good fun because. I genuinely think these are really good games and they're worth being excited for. It kind of sucks for Jedi Survivor that because how early it came in the year and how stacked this year is, I don't know how much it's going to get mentioned at the end of the at the Game of the Year Awards and, and stuff like that. Like, I have mm -hmm. a feeling it'll show up for at least one, if not several things. But, you know, gamers are always ready for the next thing. And I think, like, Jedi Survivor is going to be, it's going to feel like, oh, that came out this year when we get to December. It's going to feel yeah. like... But yeah, I don't know. This yeah, is yeah. good news. That's all I have to say have to say about it. So Yeah, I mean I resonate with your points. I don't really have too much to say. Um 
if really much at all because I haven't played the second one just just like you. I want to play it, um, whereas you don't, right? Like you have no interest uh, at no, all. No, I mean I think like if it was, I could see it like if it was like oh twelve dollars on a sale, I yeah, might just digitally buy it and it. then I'll make myself play mm. it. So sure, yeah. yeah I mean this news story just makes me feel so out of touch with like modern like not modern gaming but like the schedule of how often games are coming out like we're coming back to the same conversation where i feel like i don't have enough time to play all these it's like yeah. i swear it was yesterday where like uh you know jedi 2 came out <laughs> and now it's already like the, the third one's coming out i'm like oh shit i need to get well, right that, playing that. that that's the funny thing is like a younger me i would just buy these high profile games and play them because i had time and I had disposable income. Mm. And I, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to get into that rhythm of like skipping games. But I've managed to do with 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 the limited time I have, it just becomes easier. Like, um, you know, I'm probably not going to play Alan Wake 2. I didn't play Diablo 4. I didn't play uh, Hogwarts Legacy. I didn't play Jedi Survivor. And like, these are all games I probably would have played. But I'm just like, no, I have limited time. So like, I don't really want to play them yeah. that bad. And I'll save myself yeah, for yeah, like... Yeah. Like Spider-Man 2. I'm clearing the schedule for Spider-Man 2, you know? So. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. I wish I could say the same. I mean, I I, I platinumed the, the first one. I platinumed Jedi yeah. Fallen Order. Um, so I loved it. Like, it was a solid, like, I'd probably give it like an 8 out of 10. Um, That's what I'd give it. Again, yeah. I hate using... Yeah, I, I, it's this, this is the thing. Like, I, using scores is so reductive to, like, what I actually, like, think about a game, you know? Uh, which is a it, conversation it, for... They're a, dumb, a but I love them. I love them. I'm yeah. just gonna be honest with you. Yeah, like it, it doesn't really. Yeah, it, it doesn't help because like you can give pros and cons about the game, and it tells me so much more. But once you say a number, that's all I'm gonna think about is the number. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the headline. But yeah, I, I like I said, I platinum did. I loved it. Um, I pl I played it twice now. I think, um, both on the PS4 when it came out, and then I played the PS5 enhanced edition. I think it was right. Like they've enhanced it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a great time, and I'm excited to play the second one, uh, and I'm obviously intrigued to see the third one get advertised and hopefully play that one day, too, so. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be great, I'm sure. Respawn are, 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 are gods, so. A solid studio, yeah. They're, they're great. They're, they're good at making those tight, concise, single-player experiences alongside those multiplayer stuff, so. That's what sucks, like, when somebody wants, like, a Titanfall 3, but it's like, hmm, take a risk mm. on Titanfall 3 or yeah. just pump out another Star Wars game that will massively sell, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all good. the industry need another shooter? Josh, this next. Or I just All right. Josh, man, I'm, I'm in my I'm in my sacred iconisms. I just called you Josh. <laughs> Joe, you're take good. Dude. This you're gonna read this uh, next piece of news off, but then go right into your opinions on it because this is this is your baby, yes. one of your babies right here. So. This, this is yeah. this this is my baby. I lost my shit at the uh, the was it the Game Awards? Was it Gamescom when this was announced? I can't remember. Um, uh, but anyway, I think let's get yeah, into the story. Ahead. Yeah, it was the PlayStation Showcase, you know the, the one that sucked. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. It was the PlayStation Showcase. That's what it was. Stuff. It was the PlayStation Showcase. Yeah, that, that, that was ass. That was, that was dog shit. Alrighty. In rather disappointing news for myself, the Metal Gear Solid title to be featured within the upcoming remaster bundle, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1, is set to be capped at a whopping 30 frames per second. Hold on to your seats. This goes doubly disappointing because the max resolution they can be played at is a meager 1080p. IGN reported the following, quote, The information was shared on the official Konami website for the collection earlier today, and most notably has Metal Gear Solid locked to 30 FPS across all platforms. Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, on the other hand, both run at 60 frames per second on everything but Nintendo Switch. What's more, all the games are stuck at 1080p resolution 
on everything except the Switch's handheld mode, which doesn't support it, and never make it to 4K. <laughs> as fans are pointing out, these limitations feel incredibly frustrating given the age of the games, as well as the fact that HD versions of Metal Gear Solid 2 and Metal Gear Solid 3 were released years ago for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 and ran at 60 frames per second just fine. What's more, Konami previously told multiple outlets, including us, that the collection would target 60 frames on everything but the Switch, which feels misleading given the now published chart end quote i'll be honest guys this fucking sucks like as a metal gear fan well like let me just pre like preface this or preface as brian likes to point out i say it wrong hey you say um, it how you want bro <laughs> I, my mom um, likes to take trips to the library and i hate it when she says that like i'm going to the <laughs> library i'm like it's library there's an r before library there. mom yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i I like we as Metal Gear fans have been beaten and abused since I would argue before Metal Gear Solid 5. Like Metal Gear Solid 5 was good, but it was nothing compared to the old Metal Gear games. Like gameplay wise, it was really, really cool. But everything else was trash, in my opinion, anyway. Like giving it nines and stuff is like well inflation of just like overemphasis on the mechanical ingenuity of that game. But with this, this is your first impression alongside the Snake Eater or Metal Gear Solid Delta game, which is a remaster of Snake Eater or remake of Snake Eater. Sorry. This is a travesty because not only are you when you release games like this, when you release master collections like this at full price, you are competing with not only your old ports, but you're competing with. And this is not a legal way of going about your thing, but you're competing with emulators. And like we've all done it. This is a travesty because you can play emulators at like eight times the resolution 60 frames per second and beyond of metal gear and they work perfect and it's like you can't even be bothered to make it 60 frames this is just a re-release and a very very basic one of that and it's an absolute shame i just this is your again this is your moment to shine again konami this is how you come into the industry 30 frames on a game from the what is it fifth generation fifth generation it's like really 1997 yep do i need to say anymore you haven't said it though yet but you know exactly why this is right like i mean do i should i say it like this is go for it go for it konami doesn't make games anymore and they decided that they wanted to re-enter the industry and rake in some funds and they looked at how they could make those funds with the littlest amount of work and no effort Mm -hmm. and they decided to just mine these ports they already had and do the the lowest amount of work ever to shovel them out and generate money i mean that's that's what it is like there's any any other like publisher that actually cared about their like reputation would not do mm-hmm. this, but they're just like, it doesn't no. matter. This will sell. And they'll continue to do this. There'll be a yeah. volume two and it'll be the same deal. Yeah. And yeah. heaven forbid what they end up doing when they put this remake out. Like obviously a remake is going to be held to a different standard. It's going to have more work behind it. But like, I hate to see what they do that because like they, you want, you want me to do you one better, Brian, just to interrupt you a second. Yeah. Do you know the, <laughs> the remake is not even getting new recorded voice actors. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, because that would cost money. Yeah. But it costs money. Imagine that. But didn't they market it as like, <laughs> didn't they market it as like the original Snake or, or will return, voice will return or whatever, something like that. It was like, everyone was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is amazing. They're going in. They're going all in for us. And it's like, 
Yeah, because the recording's already on tap. That's why. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, I lost I lost my shit when when they announced the remake, uh, the showcase, the PlayStation showcase, and when they announced afterwards, and it was the codec call sound, and it was like Metal Gear Solid Volume One. I was like, oh my fucking god, that is brilliant. You know, we heard rumors of it coming. Like there was like various rumors of like Metal Gear Solid One like being remade, Metal Gear Solid Three remade, and then I'm kind of I was never a fan of the, like the fact that Metal Gear Solid Three was the first to be remade. I get why they're doing it, but at the same time, it's like. Because obviously it's like the first in the timeline. But <laughs> this whole thing has just put a massive damper on a return to a legacy franchise that absolutely everyone, like a whole new generation of people yeah. could get into. And I'm not saying they can't. I'm not saying 30 frames at 1080p for Metal Gear Solid is like dreadful. But why can't you just pull like that much more effort in to make Because this, this isn't a celebration of the franchise. Like so often we get like, we get like an MCC or we get like an Uncharted collection or whatever, and it's a mm. celebration of the franchise and a reintroduction of the franchise into the market. And that's yes. not that's not at all their goals here. Their goals are what can we put out to generate money? That's it. That's mm. all this is, you know? So like I'm actually surprised we're getting the the remaster, the the remake. And I mean, which studio is making the mm. remake again? Do you remember? Like I think it's just an internal team at Konami. Because like Will that remake even be good? I mean, like, I'm surprised they're even doing things. It. Yeah, dude. And and the problem you have going forward is if the remake hypothetically does well for them, and this these remasters do well for them, which I think they will sell well, just because on name alone and like you said, nostalgia is like the second only to hype. I love that quote. Um, I can tell. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, it's just one of those things where like. I worry for the future of the franchise because if like they already did survive, right, which was absolutely trash. Yep. I worry for like a non-Kojima future for Metal Gear because there's nothing stopping them from carrying it on. The only thing that is stopping them is to your point. This is not a passion thing. This is not a legacy thing. This is not about bringing it. This is just a, mon a quick money scheme. And it is clear that this is the case. Every single detail that has been released after the announcement of the showcase trailers has been negative absolutely yeah. everything there's not there's not been a single but wait there's more or the, you, know, you know what i mean it's it's all just like oh okay like well temper your expectations because the voiceovers are are the same and we're not bringing the uh, we're not bringing anyone back and uh and, and the master collection it sucks it's like really like this is how you yeah <laughs> like we're this is a stupid thing gamers are fickle we're loyal we will fucking play these games we don't like this is the thing we care about kojima we love kojima but like let's let's let water go under the bridge us metal gear like hardcore fans will play your game if you give us a reason to and right now in my opinion you're not giving me any like the remake is still out there it's got a negative like slant against it like i'm still kind of like wishing there's some cool like maybe new technical details about it like the, like capcom do with their remakes but the 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 voiceover stuff is a stickler but the master collection like right now i'm out like i'm done i'm gonna go back and play legacy collection you know that's like literally right there like i'm yeah. gonna go get that bang that in my ps3 play the exact same games basically or fuck it i'm gonna fucking uh you know emulate your shit because why do you deserve my money i've already bought you games like 16 times well and that's so. the thing is they've they've done the they've done the math right they they probably figure like um if we if we properly remastered these and released them in a really nice package, we could sell 6 million copies. Or yeah. if we shit them out, we could sell 3.5 to 4 million. 
So they're probably thinking like, oh, less profit, but no work. And it's worth it, you know? And mm. then they'll do it again with the volume yeah. two and all that stuff. So mm. yeah, it's, it sucks. I, like I've never seen a, a, mm. a publisher care so little for their own IP as Konami. Yeah. It's because it, the heart it, was never the with the publisher, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. it's across the board. I mean, like you had like the Castlevania collection that's gone down the shitter, you know, it did in the seventh generation with like it going more hack and slash and stuff. Um, it's just a shame. It's just an absolute shame because like this is the thing. I'd rather than leave it alone. You know, I don't want any more Metal Gear. Metal Gear to me is perfect as it is. Like there's games in there that I don't particularly love like Metal Gear Solid 5, but it's it. Let bygones be bygones. But clearly Konami have no creative sort of like emphasis or anything left to make new ip or anything like that or even yeah. do the old ips justice they got pachinko machine it's machines pachinko pa machines pachinko baby yeah, yeah. um but yeah it, to, to round it out is it's just a shame it's just an absolute yeah. shame and this is what it is yeah it's it's awful dude I, I hate this for you i mean this is how i was going to introduce myself to the metal gear series i probably still will but i might wait a little bit mm -hmm. to see uh mm -hmm. you know the reviews and stuff for this but yeah yeah it's unfortunate um joe i have about 10 minutes if you want to take us forward let's go the tokyo game show 2023 had some spicy details for final fantasy 7 rebirth ahead of its 2024 release showcasing that whilst it's not a complete overhaul from remake it is more iterative offering a bevy of offer offerings for fans and new players alike coming in two parts the tgs demo showcased a story segment and a more gameplay centric segment the latter section featured much larger open world zones over midgard's uh, midgard's cramped urban sprawl fiend fights the ability to swap party members out with a single button press and the ability to ride chocobos we all love those right cluck cluck but that's not all the prior showed the duo art system melding a defensive and offensive fighting type into the mix as well as sephiroth as a playable character however it would be wrong of me to read all of this as someone who's completely alien to the franchise entire therefore i'll pass it over to brian to most likely share his enthusiasm go ahead brian yeah, this is going to be like the most hyped I've been for a game in a decade plus. Um, see, what's what's so interesting about this is like, I never played Final Fantasy VII. Remake came out, I got it at launch, played Remake, fell in love, immediately went back, played the original twice, and I've played Remake again. So like I have, and I've, I've, I've invested myself in like the movies, the side material, I've, I've got like uh, Ultimanias, I've, I've done all kinds of stuff. So I, I have a very good understanding of these mm. games in this world. And what's happening right now, and of course things could change, this is only part two of three and we haven't even played part two, but what's happening right now is they are remaking these games in such a way that it's it's better than your dreams come true and it's kind of insane, mm. right? Like they, they took essentially what was, I don't know, like a tenth of the game, a, te a tenth of the game is what remake is. Remake is one tenth of Really? Something. Yeah, and it's a 40-hour RPG. Yeah, so... Ooh. And what they did was they took, like, the first tenth of Final Fantasy VII and they expanded on it and made it its own solid RPG. That's what Remake was. And what's so interesting is the, the point that Remake ends on is when you leave, like, a confined city and you go into the open world. So they took the... That's why they chose that one-tenth of the game because, like, in the original game, you're in the city for, like, five, six hours... Then you leave the city and it's this open world and you got all these places to go and it's like, oh, wow. Um, so seeing all the work that went into Remake and all the effort they, they they put into that to make it like a 40-hour RPG set in this one city, 
it made everyone wonder like, well, they said they're going to do this whole series in three parts. What are they going to cut? What are they going to leave on the cutting room floor? Mm. Because they're not going to do it all. And what it seems is that they are going to do it all and more. And it's kind of blowing our minds, right? Because it seems that this part two, this rebirth is going to be the entire open world section done like 2023 open world justice where you can climb mountainsides, there's side quests, there's collectibles, you can go where you want, when you want, travel the world. And watching this new gameplay footage, it's just incredible because it's like retaining all of the quality storytelling, voice acting, character work, and everything from Remake. But then it's putting it in this open world that like doesn't seem half-assed at all. Like They're going on side quests, they're riding mounts, they're doing collectibles, and introducing like the the switching out party members on the fly and the the synergy attacks and uh it just looks incredible and i mean my hype is through the roof for it to where like i almost don't like i've watched the footage but like i haven't like i could watch more and more people commentate on it but i almost don't want to because i'm like it's too much hype to have this this early because it doesn't come out till february um but then what they're doing with the narrative on top of it is they're they're remaking this you know 25 year old game and they're they're retelling the same story but they're, they're there's a twist on it to where it's not just retelling the story and mm-hmm. they're just finding they're finding ways to not only like refresh the original game in a modern way but also make you feel the unknown that you felt playing it in 97 for the first time all over again so i've never seen a game like they're they're able to like make the remake feel like the original new, but also emulate the feeling of not knowing what happens next or not coming or knowing what's mm. coming next. So it's like it's a really special thing and everyone who's played this game is just high on like the the people who got to play the demo for it, you know, at TGS or whatever are just high on this game. Um there's so much to look forward to. It's supposed to be like a hundred hour game, which where the first one was like a 40 hour game, like completionist type thing. So mm. um this is this has got me hyped. This I want to play this to where I actually hundred percent it, where I do all the quests and all the collectibles, which is so mm. not the kind of gamer I am. But man, I just cannot wait to get back to those characters. And this is one I really want Joe to play. So like me and Joe were talking behind the scenes. I'm like, yo, well, what if when we get a chance, <laughs> Joe, you play remake Final Fantasy VII remake, I'll play Death Stranding, and then we can compare mm. our homework and share our thoughts on it because I haven't played Death Stranding. That's one of Joe's favorites. I'm FF7 so eager for you to play that. Yeah, so that'll be cool. That'll be really cool. But yeah, this is like, this is like, I mean, after I played Remake, I mean, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth became my dream game. And this will probably be the, the most excited I've been for a game since, unfortunately. This this really sucks the, the wind out of the sails, but like, this will probably be the most excited I've been for a game since Halo 5 Guardians, which we know Damn. how that turned out, like in the comparison and quality. There we go. From, Halo 5 Halo time, baby. <laughs> 7 Rebirth. But yeah, so like the most hyped I'll be in like nine years. So I can't wait for this game. Mm. It looks amazing. All the details coming out are better than ever. Um, I don't know. Joe, you haven't probably haven't actually watched anything on it, right? Because it's not you don't really know much. About I, I watched the I watched the uh, I watched a little bit of the TGS uh, stuff. I've obviously watched the trailers, like bits yeah. and bobs like that. But like I, I say this with like all reverence for like JRPGs and modern JRPGs, especially when they're like more hack and slash and stuff and not like that traditional type of like Sea of Stars and Chrono Trigger and all that stuff. Like I, I genuinely have no idea what the fuck's going on half the time on screen. Yeah. Like I'm I'm Fair watching enough. like all these flashes and people doing backflips and like people screaming at the top of their lungs and I'm just standing there like 
<laughs> right, okay, I'll yep. uh, I'll go back to uh, carrying like every... my packages in Death Stranding. Sounds like every anime you've because... ever seen. Uh, yeah, which is ironic because like I'll play Death Stranding and like they're talking about all sorts of shit, like the beach and, and all this stuff, and it, it makes no sense to so many people. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, I like it. Um, and, and to be fair, like Final Fantasy VII's story is actually pretty convoluted, but it, its convolution comes coalesces into something yeah. very special. It's weird, mm. you know, because like normally convolution yeah. is just a bad thing to me, but yeah, yeah, it's it's good here. But yeah, I mean, yeah. that's I mean, I think that's a, a good concise way to sum up how I feel about Rebirth. Because honestly, I I need a whole episode to just go off about this series yeah, and this yeah. game. But as we'll far as the it. news, as far as the news was revealed. Um, they're literally like giving everything everyone wanted and yeah. more with this. And it's going to kick off 2024, right? Like, I don't think there's any chance 2024 can be the year that 2023 is, but mm. man, right in February, we're going to have this already. Maybe. I cannot wait. Mm. I cannot wait. One thing, one thing that it does make me wish is that uh, Konami did the same uh, level of credence to their franchises. <laughs> is right, dude. That's the thing is because like so much of that passion was with Kojima, right? And like, and that's the thing is Final Fantasy VII remake is being spearheaded by all the people that brought that game to life in ninety in ninety seven. They're they're back at it at the head to yeah. make sure it's done right. Yeah. And you know how that, that relationship between Konami and Kojima is. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's got his own thing, and I'm happy for him, and he's creatively yeah, free, a, you know? He deserves to be that free bird. Yeah, also, and he, I mean, he gets to walk around like a gaming god now, with, like, no leash. Oh. And Konami's just, no. even people who buy Konami stuff, like, most people just think Konami's yeah. trash, yeah. you know? So Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. So, this next one is going to be a little bit of an update to a previous story. It's not going to be too long on the discussion side of things, but let's get into it. Unity is walking back parts of its controversial runtime fee changes. Stephen Mills of Destructoid writes the following, quote, In an open letter to its community, Unity has revealed its reworked fee structure and controversial runtime fee changes. Under the new structure, the Unity Personal Edition will remain free and incur no runtime fee. The new cap before the fee starts has been increased from 100,000 US dollars to 200,000 US dollars, and no game with under $1 million in trailing 12-month revenue will be subject to the fee. Interestingly, the new runtime fee will only apply to the next version of Unity that is shipped in 2024, so it gives them, the developers, a little bit of leeway. Already shipped and current in-development projects will not be subject to the fees unless they upgrade to the 2024 version of Unity. In the post, Mark Witten, leader of the Unity Create team, apologized for what has inspired in recent weeks. I want to start with this. I am sorry. We should have spoken with more of you and we should have incorporated more of your feedback before announcing our new runtime fee policy. Our goal with this policy is to ensure that we can continue to support you today and tomorrow and keep de uh, deeply investing in our game engine. You are what makes Unity great and we know we need to listen and work hard to earn your trust. We have heard your concerns and we are making changes in the policy we announced to address them. Mark Witten, Unity Create Lead, end quote. Um, I'll take this just quickly. What was it all for? You know, you created a PR disaster um, and you almost, and arguably it could go further down, you almost, you know, made like the Titanic and sunk your own ship. Yep. Um, you hit that, that iceberg hard and there's nothing really more to say on that. It's just that I'm glad they've rolled it back. I'm glad these developers have like sorted, you know, sorted uh, themselves out a little bit. There's obviously people still moving because they don't trust them anymore. All of it's gone wrong, but I'm glad at least they're rolling it back because... 
this is this is it. This is your tug and war. You know, this is the developer side of what I always say with gamers. This is the tug and war side of of, of the industry. So, Brian, uh, you pretty much said what I was going to say, uh, but I was going to sum it up in one word. And well, I guess I'll say two words to make it better. But like irreparable damage. That's what this is. Irreparable mm. damage. Um, nobody was targeting Unity for any problems or anything. Really, they were just a a relied on game engine that has brought a lot of games to life and. This news dominated the industry for days and for bad reasons, and they lost a lot of goodwill. And, I mean, like I said, irreparable damage. I don't think they'll ever yeah. fully recover from this. And it's kind of like uh, Joe Exotic from a Tiger King. I will never financially recover from this. That's one of his lines. Um, but it kind of reminds me of, I mean, it's not really the same, but it kind of reminds me of like the Xbox One 2013 reveal. You know, where they were mm. where they came out with the connect and the always online DRM and the sports and the TV. Like, we're mm. still trying to recover from that ten years later as as Xbox. But Xbox mm. has endless money and power. Unity does not. Yeah. I would wager yeah. that Unity in a decade is either irrelevant, doesn't exist, or is completely eclipsed by someone else. Like that this mm. is, I mean, I, I think this is, I could be over-exaggerating, but I think this is way worse than, this isn't just your average company says something dumb and then apologize for it and then fixes the problem and, and moves mm. on. I think people were just like disgusted by this, mm. what they what they did before with the, the, the install fees and all that stuff. And I think people are, are moving on. Like I, obviously yeah. it'll still get used. It'll still unity will still be around but i don't think it'll ever be yeah. the same i really don't mm. yeah well their stock prices are, are dropping by the by the minute you know and that's after the uh the apology so yep you know i don't want to see unity go necessarily because they've you know th this is not their first pr fuck up but uh it at the same time it's like this is this is your lesson you know and hopefully the last because while gamers are fickle and they will come back to your brand, i.e. with mm -hmm. Metal Gear Solid Master Collections and stuff after firing Koji, uh, Konami and making yeah. uh, Kojima and making Survive, I don't think developers will because developers have got way more in your engine than like gamers have with their games. It's as simple as that. Yeah, so. yeah and I, I yeah. mean, but, uh, if you ask me, does, hmm. does this apology... If somebody said, do you think this apology seems sincere? I would say yes in the sense that I think they know they screwed up bad and it's hurting them and this is a sincere apology. Mm. But what it reeks of is we got greedy, tried to pull a fast one, and now we're giving the appropriate apology and response. But yeah. so like, okay, you know how in a lot of instances, companies will be like, we're going to screw you. And then, and then, and then customers are like, no, no, no. And then they go, we mm. heard your voice. We're now going yeah. to screw you less. And you know that a lot of times companies do that as a plan they know what their actual mm. screwing you is going to be but they, they, they make it seem like they're going to screw you more to lower the blow and then they go oh we heard your feedback that's not mm. what happened here like to me this reads is that's not what happened here they literally just wanted to pull that shit and everyone was like yeah. nope ain't gonna happen and now they're like oh shit we can't do this we won't yeah. do this so i think it was just just dumb and i don't think like i said i don't think they're gonna recover from it so yeah yeah yep. i mean that's a that's a sad note to end on but uh it is a Unity, sad note to end on but it's a real one 
Yeah, it's like a it's like um, an angry Joe moment. Like I, I don't know if he's done a yeah. video, but it needs to be like Unity. You done fucked it up. You yeah. know, like that's you done fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's got old angry Joe with his hyperbole. Love him. Um, but yeah, Brian, that's uh, all your noteworthy news this week. It's a little bit slower than last yeah. than than last uh, week. There's definitely. no Xbox leak um, this week. So. No, no, which was a crazy thing. Uh, like Brian was messaging my Discord, like Joe, like we're doing an episode tonight. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> like, this, 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 this. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. Though. I was I mean, like, oh can, shit. We could wake up tomorrow, and it could be crazy news again. We'll see. But uh, this is what we got yeah, for now. That's, so. that's the way it goes. Yeah. But yeah. We'll uh, we'll end it out with the business side of things. So if you want to connect with us outside of the podcast, please do feel free to head over to X or formerly Twitter uh, and follow us at Critical Frames uh, for all the video eye candy. Make sure you head over to YouTube, of course. Um, and if you are on YouTube, you can find us on all like the podcast feeds, so like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, Amazon. Um, and if you want to go the extra mile because you're super duper awesome and you're one of us, then uh, travel over to patreon.com forward slash critical frames and support us monetarily and get awesome, awesome benefits. We also have two patrons already. So, hey, look at that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go, baby. There we go, Start baby. Off, We're starting right. up. Four episodes and two <laughs> patrons. So. That means we'll have another patron in two more episodes. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. There we go. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for being here. Stay safe. And remember, it's never important you tune in. It's critical. Peace out, guys. Peace, guys. Critical Frames, a gaming news podcast, is recorded multinationally between the United Kingdom and the United States of America. The show is written, directed, produced, and edited by myself, Joseph Smalley, as well as being conceived in partnership with the show's co-host, Brian Arvett. All of Critical Frames' music is by Charlie Bethencourt.